Well, do please open up at Acts chapter 20, 1116. We're going to look from verse 7 in just a moment. But let's pray together as we come to do that. Loving God, we thank you for the Bible and we thank you that you have promised that you will speak to us through it. And we thank you that every part of the Bible is useful for us as your people. So help us this morning to hear your voice uh, as I preach this morning. Help us to hear your voice as we look at your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The first person to climb Mount Everest or known to climb Everest, do you know who that was? Anyone? Edmund Hillary, brilliant Peter, bonus points. The first person known to climb Mount Everest was a man called Edmund Hillary. What about the first person known to circumnavigate the globe? Uh, Peter doesn't know that one. Oh, he's got it! Ferdinand Magellan, great! The first person known to circumnavigate the globe in the 1400s was Ferdinand Magellan. Well, poor, poor Eutychus. Eutychus is the first person known to fall asleep in church. Oh, he's not the last though, is he? And I know because I've seen it here. But imagine being Eutychus. You know, he might have been a faithful Christian. He might have served faithfully in the church. He might have done great things for God. But on the night he fell asleep, Luke happened to be there. <laughs> and Luke wrote it down for the whole world to read about many years later. Poor Eutychus, the first person known to fall asleep in church. This is a strange passage we read this morning, isn't it? It's a bit weird. Again, it's one that tends to be skipped over, but it's one this morning that I hope God is going to encourage us through and speak to us through. So why don't we just walk through the passage, see what Luke says happened, and see what it says for us. So have a look with me at verse 7. It says there, and this is Luke writing, it says, On the first day of the week, we came together. And what this shows us right away is that right back in the time just after Jesus had risen from the dead and ascended to heaven, Christians started to get together on the first day of the week. The Jews, they got together on Saturday for their Sabbath, but the Christians, they started getting together on Sundays. Why Sunday? Because that was the day that Jesus rose from the dead. This was the habit of Christians right from the very beginning. Their habit was that every Sunday, they'd come together with one another. Now, Sundays, they were very different back then than they are today. Um, we live in a country which has been Christianized, so Sunday is very often a day off, but not for the first Christians. No, Sunday was a working day. So they would have went to work in the morning, and they would have worked hard all day. Many of them were of the lower classes. Many of them were slaves. They did really hard work. And then they came together in the evening. And they ate together. And they had the Lord's Supper together. And they sang together. And they prayed together. And they heard sermons and God's words preached together. Right from the very beginning, Christians have made it a priority to gather together on Sundays. And I just want to encourage you this morning, if you're a Christian, to make coming together on Sundays a priority for you. And I know in lots of churches, they've been really badly hit by COVID. And in a lot of churches, you have ministers kind of trying to hammer people, you need to come back to church, you need to come back to church, you know, you need to be there. 
That, that's not what I'm saying. We don't have that problem. Our numbers post-COVID are higher than they were before COVID. So I'm not trying to hammer you and say you need to get out to church. But what I am saying to you is that right from the beginning, God's people, the Christians, realized that being together on Sundays was important. They knew that it was vital for their faith. They knew it was something that God had given them to help them keep going. They knew that they were about to go into a week that was going to be crazy and busy, was going to have lots of distractions. And they knew they needed to be together to turn their eyes upon Jesus, to hear what God had to say, to be encouraged by one another. And I just want to encourage you folks to make church, to make Sundays, to make gathering one of your highest priorities. We have lots of high priorities, don't we, during the week, work. You know, we definitely wouldn't miss it for anything. If we play for a sports team, we wouldn't miss the game for anything. We wouldn't miss training for anything. If we're part of a choir, we wouldn't miss the practice and the shows for anything. But for some reason, when it comes to gathering together on Sundays, it's kind of one of those things. We go, ah, hmm, might go, might not go. For some reason, it's not our priority. But I want to encourage you to make it a priority. Make it something that's just in your calendar. Something that even if you're tired and a bit grumpy, you still come out for. Something that even if you're exhausted, you, you just get there. Something that you put in your weekly schedule and you put it there in stone and you come out and you be with each other. And why am I saying this? Again, it's not to boost the numbers and attendance. I'm saying it for your own good. We need this. We need each other. We need encouragement. We need to hear God's word. We need those opportunities to set everything else aside and to fix our hearts and our minds on Jesus. And this is something that not just comes from this passage, but I read it earlier, it comes from Hebrews. In Hebrews, Paul writes, do not neglect meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Don't get into the habit of not being with each other. But keep on meeting and keep on encouraging each other. I read a, a little book recently called Love Your Church. Really good book. We might do it sometime or we might do a sermon series based on it sometime. But the author of that book says something that's really, really insightful. And he's a pastor and he's been a minister for 20, 30 years. And he says this. He says, I sometimes meet a Christian who gathers weekly and is not thriving in their faith. So he says, sometimes I meet a Christian and they do come to church every week and they are, are there every week and sometimes, you know, they're not thriving in their faith. But he goes on to say this, but I have yet to meet a Christian who does not join in the gathering and is. I've yet to meet a Christian who doesn't come to church regularly and is thriving in their faith. My guess is that for most of us during covid when we couldn't meet in person, my guess is that most of us struggled in our faith. My guess is that most of us find it hard to live for Jesus or hard to be motivated or hard to be encouraged. In the middle of COVID, we recognized how precious gathering was together. And I just want to encourage you not to lose that sense of importance. Maybe 
you think to yourself, but Marty, I could listen online. You could listen online. That's good. If you can't be here on a Sunday, catch up. But please, please, please don't make online or don't make podcasts the thing that you rely on rather than being together. There was a a preacher from an era gone past called D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody actually preached in Belfast uh, and there was great revival came under his preaching and a lot of Presbyterian churches, I think including this one, were established in order to accommodate the people who came to faith. And in D.L. Moody's day, it wasn't the internet, it wasn't podcasts, but people could listen to sermons on the radio. And D.L. Moody, all those years ago, says this, the difference between listening to your radio sermon and going to church is almost like the difference between calling your girl on the phone and spending an evening with her. It's just not the same. So I encourage you for your own sake and for the sake of your church family, come out on Sundays encourage each other and be encouraged in your faith. Okay, let's have a look at the end of verse seven because they don't just come together, but they, they do something when they're together. So he says that, he says there to break bread, do you see it? Verse seven, on the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. And breaking bread here, it means two things. The first thing it means is that they actually shared a meal with one another. They, they came in from work, they came to this place where they were meeting, and there was a big spread. I, know, I don't know if there were Presbyterians, but if there were, there were you know, sandwiches cut into triangles with no crusts and cream cheese and cucumber. Really good spread. But they came together and they ate together. There's something about eating together, isn't there? When you sit down for a meal with each other, you chat and you catch up and you share life. Now, I don't think we can eat together before the service on Sunday mornings. I don't think we can do bacon baps. But you see that this morning. You see that with tea and with coffee. And it was just great to see everyone chatting. That's what they did. They came together and they they fellowshiped and they chatted and they encouraged each other. Folks, Sundays are as much as about being together and talking to each other, encouraging each other, as they are about listening to me. So when you come here on a Sunday, Chat to people. Have a yarn with them. Ask them how they're doing. If you get into a deeper conversation, pray with somebody. Be there for each other. Make Sundays a time to connect with one another. And then the second thing of the breaking of bread was as part of the meal, then they would have taken the bread and they would have broke it and they would have taken the wine and they would have remembered Christ, his body broken and his blood shed. And again, I want to encourage you, if you're a Christian, if you're someone who trusts in Jesus as your forgiver and is trying to live with him as your leader, if that's you, then when it comes to communion Sundays, don't miss out. Come along and take the bread and the wine and remember Christ. So that's what they do. Luke and Paul and and the others in this upper room in Troas. And then what we're told next is that Paul does something that I occasionally do. Paul, we're told, Talked on and on and on. Hey, have a look with me at verse number uh, seven. Look at the end of it. Paul spoke to the people, and because he intended to leave the next day, he kept on talking until midnight. Imagine coming to the evening service at seven o'clock, and at midnight I'm still going. Hey, that's what they got at Troas. Paul had so much to tell them. He was leaving the next day. He just wanted to tell them all the things that, that he'd learned and all the things that he felt were necessary for them. And so he kept talking until midnight. 
His sermons were longer than way, way longer than mine. You know, if you go to India, I've been there. If you go to Africa, that's actually the norm. Church starts and, and they stay for hours and they listen for hours. But we like it a bit shorter and that, that's okay. But anyway, Paul, he, he talked and he talked at midnight. And we actually don't hear about anyone complaining. I mean, I think they were quite glad to hear him, but he, he did keep going on. And then what happened? Well, Luke tells us a very interesting little nugget. Have a look at verse 8. There were many lamps in the upstairs room where we were meeting. Now, why does he say that? Here at Ravenhill, we're uh, blessed with these lovely lights. Some are on, some are off. But at nighttime, we're blessed with the lights and they light up the place. But in the ancient world, with no electricity, they relied on lamps. Some of them were little oil lamps that you lit and some of them are big old torches. And the word's probably torches here. So the room is lit with these torches. Imagine big kind of flaming torches. And this is the Mediterranean, so it's a pretty hot climate. So what's happening here is that the room is getting hotter and hotter and hotter. And the oxygen level is dropping and dropping and dropping. And whenever the temperature gets hotter and when the oxygen goes down, it is a perfect storm, isn't it? We've seen it here, haven't we? Some Sunday you sit down and it is just a little bit too hot. Or some Sunday evening you come and it's just a little bit too warm and you start, you know, you start doing this thing. And then suddenly your head smacks on the pew and you wake up. And that's what happens here in Troas. The lamps are lit, the room's getting warm, the oxygen's going down, and poor old Eutychus. He starts to drift into a sleep. And he falls asleep in the place where they're meeting. You can read about it there. Look with me at verse 9. Seated in a window was a young man named Eutychus. To be fair, he'd gone to the window, probably trying to get some air, probably trying to stay awake. Anyway, he'd gone to the window, and he'd sat in the window, was a young man named Eutychus, who was sinking into a deep sleep as Paul talked on and on. It's awful as the preacher, people only fall asleep during the sermons, never through the music or the prayers, just the sermons. And this wee guy, Eutychus, this young man, he falls asleep. He fought it, he tried to fight it, but it was too warm, and his eyes gave in. And he fell asleep in the window. I want to say something, and this is going to sound, you know, bad, but I want to say I'm not too concerned if you fall asleep. And and I genuinely mean that. I'm not, some of you just woke up. (laughs) But I'm not, I'm not too concerned. Life's busy. We come here some weeks and we're tired. Or we're at an age where it is just hard to concentrate and listen and it's easy to fall asleep. Or we come here and, and, and that's okay. You know, I'm actually not too concerned if you fall asleep. You have my grace. Not my blessing, but you have my grace, okay? But I'm not too concerned. But you know what I am concerned about? I'm concerned when you come and you're awake physically, but you go to sleep in your mind and in your heart. You're awake physically, but as soon as the Bible's read and as soon as I get up to talk, you bring the shutters down. You don't want to hear what God might want to say. 
You don't want to be challenged. You don't want to be changed. You don't want to hear. That concerns me. That worries me. Fall asleep all you like. That's okay. I understand. But if you find that is your heart position, if you find that when you come, the eyes of your heart are closed and you shut up shop, there's something wrong there. And I'm concerned about that. And I want you to pray and I want you to ask the Lord to help you not shut up shop when you come to church. I want you to pray and I want you to ask him to open the eyes of your heart and mind that you might receive whatever he has to say to you. Don't panic about falling asleep. I might give you a bit of stick. But do be concerned if in your heart you shut up shop when you come here. Anyway, poor Eutychus, it goes from bad to worse because not only has he been spotted by Luke, not only has Luke been taking notes, Eutychus has fallen asleep, put that in the book of Acts for all time, but something even worse happens to him. Have a look with me at verse 9 again. Verse 9, seated in the window was a young man named Eutychus who was sinking into a deep sleep as Paul talked on and on. When he was sound asleep, so at this point he's snoring, he fell to the ground from the third story and was picked up dead. Paul went down and threw himself on the young man and put his arms around him. Don't be alarmed, he said. He's alive. And then he went upstairs again and broke bread and ate. And after talking until daylight, he left. And this is crazy, isn't it? But pure Eutychus, he falls out of the third story window. Okay? <laughs> Awful. Falls out the window. Boom! Lands on the ground. You can imagine the thud and people turn around. Where's Eutychus gone? And they look out the window and you can imagine the shrieks and the screams. Eutychus has fallen out the window. There's this panic. And they run downstairs and the poor man is lying there and and he's dead, or he appears to be dead. I think he is dead. I think that's the point. Paul goes over and, and throws himself on him. And, and this amazing miracle happens, and he, he comes back to life. Now, we can talk about that another time, because I don't think that's the point. Yes, that points to Jesus and his power over death. Yes, that reminds us that Jesus rose from the dead and will one day raise us from the dead. I guess that is the, the message of the gospel, in short, that, that Christ gives life after death for free this miraculous thing, and that's wonderful. But I think the point here is what happens after. Paul goes down. He throws himself in Eutychus. Eutychus comes back to life. And what do they do? They go back upstairs. And what does Paul do? He keeps talking. He keeps talking about God. He has discussions with people. And I think what Luke is trying to tell us is that God's word is vitally important. That hearing the word of God, that hearing what the Bible says, that hearing the voice of God is vitally important, so important that even after this crazy thing happening with Eutychus, Paul goes back upstairs and he talks to them some more. He shares more about what God has to say to them. It's maybe also a rebuke to the preacher. You know, keep your sermons a bit shorter. And I take that, okay? I am trying. It's maybe a rebuke to the preacher, but I think it's more than that. I think it's trying to say that hearing God's word is a matter of life and death, that it's vitally, vitally 
important. Here's the few things that I want to encourage you to do. Whenever you come to church on Sundays, and whenever I get up here or someone gets up here to, to open the Bible, how can you make the most of listening to a sermon? Again, I got this from this wonderful book, uh, Love Your Church by Tony Morita, and he suggests that we do a number of things. First of all, he says that we are to listen humbly. And people think that it's our job to master God's word, but it's not. It's, it's our job to be mastered by God's word. It's our job to sit under God's word and to to come under its authority and to come under its teaching. And so when you come to church on Sundays, when we read the Bible and whenever we hear a sermon, come humbly. Come under the word. Let it speak. Let it have authority. Come humbly to it. The second thing he says is then listen intently. So fight the urge to fall asleep. Fight the urge to zone out. Fight the urge to bring the shutters down. Come in for the half an hour. Give yourself really intently to what the Bible says. Be intent about listening to the sermon. You might struggle, so you might want to take notes. I find sometimes that helps me. Or you might want to say amen if you hear something that you agree with just to keep yourself up weak, and that's okay. That would be encouraging. But come and listen intently. Give your attention and your mind and your heart to really focusing for those 20 to 30 minutes. The next thing then, listen biblically. I want you to see that what I'm saying or John's saying or whoever's standing here is what the Bible's saying. I could get up and tell you stuff. And it might be lovely to hear, but if it's not biblical, if it's not what the Bible's saying, you're not listening to God. You're just listening to my ideas. So listen biblically. Open your Bible, track along, see that what's been said up here is what's been said down there. Be like the Bereans, we didn't stop in Berea in Acts 17, but we're told that they looked at the scriptures to see that what Paul was saying was what the scripture said. Listen biblically. Listen personally. Listen to what God is saying to you. Not the person next to you. Not your neighbor down the street. Not him over there. Listen personally. What's the Lord saying to me today through this part of the Bible? Then listen obediently. Listen in such a way that you'll do something about it. And if God says something to you, that you're going to obey it rather than ignore it. Listen practically. Think about how you can apply the passage, how you can apply the sermon, how you can live it out. And then listen, and this is the last one, listen gratefully. We have a God who speaks. And he speaks through the Bible. And we get to hear him every single week. So let's come and listen gratefully. I love how this short little passage ends. Have a look with me at the text. Have a look with me at verse number 12. The people took the young man home alive and were greatly comforted. And that word comforted, it's probably more the word encouraged. After spending time together in the upper room, after breaking bread and having a meal, after taking the Lord's Supper, after listening to Paul, rabbit on and on and on, after seeing what happened to Eutychus, they, they saw that it was amazing. After having some discussion with Paul, when daylight came and when they all left, they left greatly, greatly encouraged. Sometimes I think we forget how encouraging it is to be together. 
And so on those Sundays when you cannot be bothered, on those Sundays when you're exhausted, on those Sundays when you think, oh, do I have to go? Just remember that when you leave, you'll leave encouraged by what the Lord has done when we gather together. See you next Sunday. Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you for this amazing privilege and how often we do take it for granted. Lord, thank you for the time of, of coffee this morning and just the chance to connect and, and enjoy each other's company and catch up. Thank you for the songs that we've sang today that have pointed us to Jesus and reminded us of him. And thank you for your word and thank you for this gentle reminder that being here is so special and important for our faith and that we should try with all of our effort to be here so we can be encouraged. Lord, thank you for one another. We thank you for what you're doing amongst us. We thank you for the growth of our church family and we thank you for the sense of togetherness there is in this place. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.